This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealou, Paul Calvisi, and 13-year NFL veteran Drew Stanton. T-minus two hours and counting. Today, gentlemen, is the day teams must reduce their rosters to 53 players, and that must be done by 1 p.m. Cardinals, though, typically announce their moves late in the day, although already some names have been reported via social media as the Cardinals make their way from 91 to 53. Remember, they had that roster exemption with Bernhard Sykovitz, but I digress here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Drew, big picture for me. This day over your career, is it one where you try to stay away? Hope that phone never rings, no text messages, and you just kind of do your own thing. Yeah, it's hard just because there's so many guys that are going to be on the street, and if you're in that carousel, you get thrown into that washing machine. It's hard, especially at the position that I played. And so uh, from personal experience, I got a call the day before final cuts from Scott Linehan when I was in Detroit, and he said, hey, we might only keep two quarterbacks. And they already had Matthew Stafford that had drafted number one overall, and they had Sean Hill that they had just brought in there that had been a part of Scott Linehan's system. I went through all of training camp not thinking that that was a possibility, being a second-round pick going in to my uh, fourth year, and luckily, you know, I was on pins and needles for the rest of the day. They kept me around. Matthew got hurt week one, and I ended up playing that season and kind of resurrecting my career since it started out with some rocky ground. So, again, this is such a hard day because you can feel like you can make a team on opening day, all of these things, but they're going to be evaluating who else is getting released or oh, we know we're going to release this guy. Maybe we can trade for him and mix and match. And there's still a lot of things that are unsettled here in this building uh, that, that need to get rectified as far as the direction they want to head. We know some of the, the things that they've made and the moves that they've made, but nothing is set in stone until you get to that week one game and then the roster becomes guaranteed and then you can kind of exhale. Yeah, even after 1 p.m. passes, there's waiver claims. And if the Cardinals claim a player, well, that means they have to get rid of a player. And to Drew's point, Paul, right now, everything is in a state of flux, even going into next week, the preparation for week one. And as we've already seen over the last several days, going back to last week in Minnesota, expect some surprises and we should not be surprised by some of the names. Just some of the ups and downs, the highs and lows. You go from that preseason finale. Wait a minute, who's 53 again? Oh my goodness, he was just signed four days ago. I forgot to write him on my spotting board, and now he's got three sacks. And he hit, we had a nickname in the booth, the Zach Attack. And I'm like, wow, where did this guy come from? And then moments ago, his agent tweets out, he's been released by the Cardinals. So it's just that utter roller coaster, the up and down of where are you? Do you have a spot in the NFL? You're this close, but now you're among the thousand players getting released. Is anyone going to pick you up on a practice squad? Will you ever play ball again? There are some serious moments on a day like today. A lot of finality 
for a lot of players. Let's go over what we do know, and that centers around the quarterback position. Head coach Jonathan Gannon on Monday made the announcement that Kyler Murray will not begin the season on the 53-man active list. That is not a surprise. He'll remain on the physically unable to perform list, meaning he will miss at least the first four games of the regular season, likely more, but cannot practice until the Monday after that San Francisco game. So that is October 2nd. The other news on Monday, Drew, is that Colt McCoy is no longer an Arizona Cardinals player. QB1 throughout this entire offseason, training camp, preseason, did not play in that preseason finale against Minnesota, but perhaps the writing on the wall based off the news on Thursday that Josh Dobbs was acquired from the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, you know, that's the unfortunate part of this business is – you go through training camp, you feel good about everything and feel like you're trending in the right direction. And it's just hard because, again, we have grown accustomed to this here in Arizona of having the same general manager for a decade, right? Steve Kime is putting his imprint on the roster. Yes, the head coach changes and there's different philosophies there, but the the scouting staff, the general manager kind of directs the ship as far as that's concerned. And this is a whole new regime, and there's a changing of the guard. And they have all of the right in the world to decide who they want to be with them in, in the direction they're headed. So, you know, it's difficult. That's part of the, the ugliness of this business. But you all also realize when you sign up to play in this business, when you're a professional like Colt, you have to see both sides. You have to accept it for what it is, and that's why when it becomes contract time, you make sure you have guaranteed money. So when they give you, you know, your slip to, to head out the door – He's still got guaranteed money. That's why every player fights for those contracts for guaranteed money as long as you can possibly get it. That's why DeAndre Hopkins is no longer here. That guaranteed money ran out. So he could have found himself in a similar situation. So when you have a changing of the guard, everything is going to be able to to have to be predicated on who is now in charge and what they want to do. And, And Colt wasn't a part of their plans. As soon as they made that transition or that trade, like you said, you could sense, okay, he is going to be the starter. He is going to be the guy that they want to see if they can bring along until Kyler's ready to go. Let's hear from head coach Jonathan Gannon on the decision to let Colt go. Just like with every decision, we look at uh, the full body of work, evaluate our guys. Production goes into that and uh, felt like it was the best decision for the team to move forward with the guys that we have in the room to help us win a football game. And the full body of work, Paul, we've been watching. You've actually seen every single Cardinals practice going to Minnesota last week. And Colt has been fine, but he hasn't, as you like to say, shut the door on someone else coming in and being QB1 week one in Kyler's absence. And by all accounts, it was not a good practice on Wednesday for the offense, maybe a little bit better on Thursday. But by then, the front office, the coaching staff had probably already made up their minds. I'm convinced that by the time the second joint practice ended, they knew what they were going to do, that they had to make a move. And they did. Three, four hours later, they swung the deal for Josh Dobbs. It's a production-based business. They didn't see enough production out of Cole McCoy in those two joint practices. They got much more of a regular season read than they ever would have received in a preseason game. Because this was 11-on-11, ones against ones. Brian Flores, ultra-aggressive, bringing regular season schemes and blitzes and different. I mean, he was some of the stuff you saw out there. And the Cardinals offense did not fare well. There was a complete absence of a downfield passing attack. And what was really striking was from series to series, snap to snap, Colt McCoy and Clayton Toon were alternating. And as the GM was watching, 
Clayton Toon ended up being much more productive, finding players downfield. Now he had his rookie moments, just like he had a rookie learning moment in the game, but he would rebound, and you would see the mobility, you would see the accuracy, you would see his recognition of receivers downfield. For whatever reason, a lot of what I just named was not there when Colt was under center. And so at that moment, they actually, I think, accelerated their own learning curve about Colt McCoy and where he was in 2023, and they didn't have to find out in the regular season because it was right there in front of them in those two joint practices. The timing in all of this, Drew, though, is surprising because we are less than two weeks away from the regular season opener, and there is a possibility, a very strong possibility, that you will start a quarterback who has not taken a single snap for you in training camp or in a preseason game. Yeah, look, this didn't happen just over last week. I think this has been in the works for a while, right? This is something that, you know, you have to be laying the groundwork for this of saying, okay, who else is going to be out there? Who do we have familiarity with? And you connect those dots because Drew Petzing was with Josh Dobbs. He fits what they want to do. He was also with him in Cleveland, and he has a similar skill set to that of Kyler Murray. So you don't have to deviate too far from the norm of what your offense is going to be. This didn't just happen because of Minnesota. This has been in the works for a while. I don't know that to be true. But it just there's too much, and it happened too quickly. And then to say, well, we're not going to name a starter, I also don't know this to be true, but it's going to be Josh Dobbs. And look, maybe it was just the availability of Josh Dobbs. Maybe it was just the fact that Dorian Thompson-Robinson balled out throughout the preseason and Browns camp. Now, Josh Dobbs was named number two quarterback, right? And then three, four hours later, he was dealt uh, that same day. But that might have been gamesmanship by the Cleveland Browns front office. They knew what they had in the UCLA rookie, and they felt comfortable with him backing up Deshaun Watson. And at that point, they were willing to pull the trigger on a trade that maybe to Drew's point had been proposed many times by Monty Asifor and company during the offseason. Dobbs acquired from the Browns along with a seventh-round pick for a fifth-round selection, and that is key there. The Cardinals giving up a fifth-round pick for Josh Dobbs. Here's Gannon on what Dobbs offers the Cardinals. You know, he's a mobile guy that understands the system, but he's a mobile guy that can make throws and play in the pocket and play outside of the pocket, so that's what we're looking for. The mobility, I think, is key in that answer because, yes, Colt McCoy has the experience – is he as mobile as a Kyler Murray or a Josh Dobbs? No, he's not. Or even a Clayton Toon. And now we got to throw him in the mix as well, Drew, although I think it's highly unlikely that you're starting a rookie. But now you've got Josh Dobbs, Clayton Toon, David Blau still on the roster, according to reports. Jeff Driscoll has been released. So you went from six quarterbacks to now three. Do you keep two? Do you keep three? And then obviously we're still waiting to see who – gets the start week one are you asking me if i'm general manager what i'm doing or asking what is that a rhetorical question you want to be general manager yeah i can put my general okay. manager hat on right now i think you th- you keep three quarterbacks and again you have to decide what you're going to do at this point in time you still have kyler on pup david blau can go out there and can play admirably for you you saw what he did last year to finish the season again i'm also biased because i'm a david blau fan but you don't want to get rid of guys that can help you win football games. 
David is also somewhat mobile. You hear, philosophically speaking, Jonathan Gannon, if you are really paying attention to what he's saying, he wants a mobile quarterback. He's used to a mobile quarterback. That's what they had in Philadelphia for their winning recipe. That's what they want to do in this league. And as a defensive coordinator, the most difficult thing to defend is a running quarterback that can throw. Kyler has that skill set. They feel like Josh Dobbs has that skill set, albeit in a small sample size of, of plays in live games. And Clayton Toon hasn't played in a live game yet. Right, Preseason doesn't count anymore at this point. That's out the window. To throw him out there in week one would be a disservice to him and a disservice to this fan base and everybody else. I don't think they'll do it. That's why they made the move for Josh Dobbs when they made the move to be able to give him, okay, you've got two weeks to get prepared now to be able to go out there and put our best foot forward. Of course, when you talk about experience, Paul, Dobbs, eight games of experience, two starts, both last season, week 17 and week 18. He's only played three games over the last three seasons. But it's not like he's coming off the couch either. He just spent the entirety of camp with the Browns. He was in the preseason. So it's just a matter of learning the playbook, which he already knows from a year ago with Drew Petzing, very familiar with the system, a lot of the verbiage. Uh, No, he's not. He doesn't have a huge body of work in terms of starting experience, but he's been in the league long enough to know what different coverages and different fronts look like to the point where, you know what, he can manage a couple of chapters out of the playbook and execute a game plan week one. Hasn't played a lot of football. He's practiced a lot of football. Former fourth-round draft pick of the Steelers in 2017. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Third down and eight at the Vikings 26. Exactly eight minutes to go in the third quarter. Looks like bring pressure, here it comes. Here it comes up the middle, Blau gets rid of it, throws it up for grabs towards the end zone, high pointing the football, Davion Davis, and he comes down with it for a Cardinals touchdown. David Blau knew he was gonna get smoked, free runner, and just stood in there and threw that ball up and gave Davis an opportunity, a little underthrown, but an excellent job of coming up and high pointing that ball and making the play, and a pretty good spin on that ball afterwards too. And Davion Davis, he hung up there. No question the play of the game in Minnesota on Saturday, and dare I say maybe the play of the preseason for Davion Davis. So something for him to put on his resume, Paul, because unfortunately, according to reports, Davis not going to make the initial 53-man roster. Doesn't mean he can't be a Cardinal in some form or fashion, i.e. the practice squad, because a play like that that you saw in Minnesota certainly can bode well for a young man yeah we're all pulling for the new number 10 to make the practice squad at the very least he made a lot of plays in the joint practice as well he 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 smoked their secondary a couple of times a few slant routes and then yards after the catch and when we talked to him after the game you sort of got a reality check because he talked about his motivation of trying to make the team for his wife and his child and his grandmother and you realize it's a lot more than just football It's a livelihood. It's a living for these guys. And what was at stake the entire month of August? Four seasons in the league, going to turn 27 in October. And those are the stories, Drew, that you kind of lose track of, lose sight of, become jaded to because today it's like, okay, it becomes a numbers game. And you realize that, well, we just told someone that thanks, but no thanks. Bottom line, you're just not good enough at this moment. Yeah, it's hard, but it's also what you need to hear, right? There's the truth of this business, and and 
When you have to sit there and look somebody in the eye and say, you know what, somebody just beat you out. Somebody was better. Whatever that is, that's a tough pill to swallow. At the same time, somebody like him is very viable to bring back on practice squad. You're, you have no idea what's going to happen throughout the course of the season. And uh, he was the one guy that David Blau highlighted when we talked to him that said, hey, I'm excited to throw the ball to him. Obviously, as we heard Paul uh, in that call, there was a comfort level there. And there's something to be said for that. When you're putting good stuff on tape, when you're putting good things on tape in practice, those things matter. And as you try to shift and negotiate how you're going to put a final 53 group together you also have a practice squad in mind because you can pull guys up you can do different things you have the availability of doing that and kind of shifting the roster to manage it but there you know that that's a room with some question marks as far as known names but what are they going to do when the lights come on and you know real the preseason is over with and what are you going to do at that point point? and the back end of that roster maybe the last five six seven eight spots could always be changed even once the regular season begins on that topic here is the head coach jonathan gannon the roster is always in flux you know what i mean so you never know and even talking to some guys today you never know when you could be back up and playing so you know, that's a very fluid thing, you know, your 53-man roster and the practice squad spot. So they understand that. Again, 1 p.m. is the deadline here on Tuesday. Waiver claims Wednesday, practice squad Wednesday, and you kind of figure out who is going to be on your team week one. But things always change. And as we look just specifically at the offensive side of the ball, Paul, already a couple of names out there that are not going to be Arizona Cardinals, at least not initially. Corey Clement, the veteran running back who actually led the team in rushing in the preseason, 79 yards overall against the Vikings, but he was told that he will not be an Arizona Cardinal. He's been released. Andre Pacelli has been released, someone that the Cardinals had interest in and brought back this offseason, but Names that are a little bit familiar with Cardinal fans, and maybe, maybe not, they'll be back. So Andre Bocelli released, Davion Davis reportedly released. Does that mean Caden Davis made this team? Or does that mean a six receiver is coming off waivers? Will there only be five receivers if you're keeping the four tight ends? What's the deal with Noah Tongiai? That RB3, I honestly thought Corey Clement, based on his performance in Minnesota, had nailed that down. That combined with his experience, and he's proven – a proven veteran who's been really good when called upon in a pinch in the past. But, you know, maybe Amari DiMercato did enough, the full body of work again that Jonathan Gannon talks about from the offseason through minicamp, the entirety of training camp. Maybe the undrafted rookie out of TCU is enough of a different sort of running back. Jay Feely and I talked about that. You know, do you have that home run hitter, that guy with the really, you know, burner speed? Now Amari DiMercato isn't a 4-3-40 guy, but is that guy coming off waivers? There's a lot of questions I think are still to be answered on offense in the back end of the depth chart. I think that number three running back is not on the roster right now, meaning someone gets claimed by this team tomorrow, and then we see where things stand. As far as the wide receiver position, you've got Hollywood Brown, Rondell Moore, Zach Paschal, Greg Dortch, Michael Wilson. There's five names right there, Drew, that I'm comfortable saying are Arizona Cardinals. Question is, to Paul's point, do you go with six wide receivers depending on what you want this offense to look like? And we've seen two tight ends, three tight ends, 
Do you go less at the wide receiver position and heavier somewhere else? Yeah, I think you do just from the standpoint of what this offense is going to be. Right, We saw in the preseason they want to be able to be multiple. This is not going to be the Arizona Cardinals of old where they're trying to roll out four wide receiver sets, five wide receiver sets, or anything like that. They want to be able to be balanced. They want to be able to get in a – a balanced offensive attack as far as run and pass. And you do that with tight ends. You find mismatches with tight ends. So you hold on to guys typically as long as you can, a guy like Caden Davis that you can kind of sneak through to the practice squad. Or you expose some guy to waivers early on like Andre Bocelli and Davion Davis if you have them on the same platform and say, okay, we want to bring you guys back to practice squad. We want to let you know. and We want to let you – if you can sign somewhere else, great. If not, we want you back here. So they can kind of get those feelers because you could toss the, either one of those guys up right now and say we'd like to have them back and we'd feel good about having them back. So how this shakes out, and to your point, right, the running back situation is always is always fluid because as guys get exposed to waivers, as those guys kind of fit in, what can they do on special teams? That's really the bottom end of that roster of what you need because philosophically speaking, it's been different in the past of what they've had, but now you can get more of those tight end type of linebacker type guys that kind of have speed, size, power, all the things that you need on special teams because that's a vitally important role to be able to play on this role to be active on game day. It's one thing to be on the active roster. It's another thing to be active on game day. Daniel Arias is another name, another wide receiver who has made plays. He has good size right now, though, at least according to Gannon in concussion protocol after that hit that he took Saturday in Minnesota, so don't quite know his status moving forward. And then the offensive line, Paul, that we know who the top five are. We know who your swing tackle is going to be. But then given the news that John Gaines hurt his knee Saturday, Dennis Daly hurt his ankle on Saturday, Pat Elfline is on injured reserve. His season is done with the Arizona Cardinals before it even begins. There's some movement there as far as your backups and guys who you want active on game day. You have your starting five on the O-line. Kelvin Beecham would be six. I'm going to surmise Marquise Hayes could be seven, especially now with the injuries to John Gaines, Dennis Daly. Not exactly sure how severe those are, but that is fluid. There's no doubt about it. If another experienced veteran comes available via waivers, especially a guy with positional flexibility and someone who's played a little bit of center, then that's going to be very inviting for Monty Ford to go ahead and claim that player. Lucita Smith reportedly released by the team, someone who saw some time at center against that Vikings team in the preseason finale because right now you've got Yelda Froholtz. And then who exactly? Hayden Howardson is the one who has experience at the center position, at least in the preseason. But I think this team is going to claim maybe one or two different offensive linemen, Drew. I could see them trading, right? Usually when, when that's the case is you've got a couple guys that you've identified that you want to go after and you swap seventh round picks or you do something to kind of unload them and help get them there, but you prioritize them a little bit more than waiting to see who's going to hit the waiver wire. So I've been on teams that have done that before, or you wait for a guy to hit the waiver wire. That's usually one position that there's a lot of carryover and crossover as far as verbiage is concerned. There's only so much you need to learn, and you can have and be ready and kind of brought along slowly because you're not going to be relied upon to be a starter if you're brought in off of waivers as an offensive lineman. It's kind of a trial run to say, okay, can we bring you along? Can you understand what we're going to do here, teach you our code words, teach you our scheme? of what we're going to do and fit that mold. And there's plenty of teams in the NFL that are running this style of offense. You look at Cleveland, you look at, at you know Minnesota, you think about the Rams, you think about San Francisco. There's going to be enough guys available, but to Paul's point, 
you need a backup center depending on what the situation is there with injuries. You need a guy that can snap the ball because, as we've seen in the past too, when you don't have that solidified, that can be very unsettling and that can throw a wrench in everything. The big thing here, though, with these moves and who gets waived versus who gets released, if you are a veteran of four or more seasons, you get released and you're able to sign with anyone immediately. Four years or fewer than four years, Paul, you're subject to that waiver wire and you have no choice. If you're claimed, you're going to that team. And you know what? If you make this team and you're a young guy, hold on to yourself. Stay tuned the rest of the week. Jay Feely told the story of a guy went out and he was at the back end of the roster and as soon as the final 53 came out on that Tuesday he went and bought himself a brand new Hummer by Thursday he was out of a job so tread lightly if you're a young guy and you're one of the final people to either make or <laughs> this squad uh, because this thing can be evolved in real time real quick Regular season right around the corner. Single game tickets on sale now. Go to azcardinals.com forward slash buy tickets to secure your seats today. We shift our attention. Defense, who does make this team? That's next here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Cardinals come out. How about Jesse Lucetta? Is the fullback in the I formation, tune under center, Amari DiMercato, the tailback. Turn, give, no play action, fake, tune, deep drop, looking, flush to his right, hits the check down, it's Loketta at the 25, and the outside linebacker with a couple of moves. Spins out a one tackle and takes it across the 30. He's just shy of a first down, but we have a flag down in the field as the Cardinals sideline enjoys it. Well, that brought the entire defense out there. First of all, Luketa got a nice block to start, and then he went out into the route, and Toon finds him. It definitely was holding, but a nice job by Luketa. Hey, you want to make a roster? Go play a bunch of different positions. Hop in there at fullback on the offense and prove to this team your value and your worth. A nine-yard reception wiped off the board because of a holding call on Marquise Hayes. Come on, man. A handful of times, Paul, you saw Jesse Lucetta in the backfield <laughs> as a fullback. And I don't know if that's something that's in the works for the regular season or because you didn't have a lot of tight ends dressed for that preseason finale. So you go, hey, Jesse, go out there and block or turn around and try to make a catch. There's nothing that will bring the defense off the bench and make them put down their Gatorade like one of their fellow defenders getting a rep or a snap on offense. They love it. They come out to the white stripe immediately. That megawatt package a couple of years ago, right, with J.J. Watt and Lecky Fotu, guys like that. They enjoy the Kyla Murray 21-second scramble and then two-point conversion in Vegas last year because the defenders like to see other defenders you know, basically get clowned by Kyla Murray. They enjoy that. They very much love James Conner trucking a defender that you know that'll get the attention of the defense but when one of their own actually gets into the offensive huddle oh look out that's standing room only right there jesse Luketta, fullback outside linebacker special teams the man did it all on saturday as we say welcome back here second half of the cardinals red sea report presented by SeatGeek. your ticket to great seats as we take a look at the defense ahead of roster cuts 1 p.m Reduced to 53 players, does Jesse Lucetta make this team? There are a number of outside linebackers in that room. Already according to reports, Zach McLeod released one of those favorites on Saturday. Three-sack performance, all three sacks on third down. So he made himself 
shine on tape, not only for the Cardinals but everywhere else. But this is where we get into the numbers game, Drew, as far as, okay, how many defensive linemen, how many outside linebackers, inside linebackers, defensive backs. What do you do at corner? What do you do at safety now that Isaiah Simmons is no longer on this roster? And, yeah, health, versatility, maybe also dollars and cents play a factor in all of this as well. And that is what guys are doing upstairs right now. Everything plays a factor, and everything is on the table at this point. Again, like we know now it's very clear of, of the direction that this organization is headed. They want to get young, and they want to be able to have flexibility. They want to do a lot of these things, and they're willing to endure some growing pains in the process. And that's great, right, because you want to bring in guys that you can bring along and see. The problem is who's going to play nickel? Who's going to play linebacker? Who's going to get after the quarterback? Who's going to do the... So all of these things that we were hoping to have some answers to are still up in the air at this point. And who's going to be filled in those roles? Who's going to be able to do that? As far as solidifying that, that's really what we need to be able to say, okay, well, we feel good about this. This is what we learned about these guys in training camp. And sometimes it's a matter of it's as much as what they can't do is what they can do. And so that's why you're starting to see some of these cuts. You know, a guy like Rashard Lawrence that's reportedly been cut, does he still have value? Is he a guy that you want to bring back and have a part of it because you've seen flashes when he's healthy that he can do some really good things? You have to be able to put pressure on the quarterback, and you also have to be able to cover in the back end. And so as these guys get exposed to waivers and there's different strengths, you'll be able to find a nickel. You can plug and play those guys, hopefully. Uh, you know, Some of the, guys, the best nickels in this league just need an opportunity. An inside slot corner is what I call a nickel, just for clarification. <laughs> uh, so Because I don't think you want to drop Jalen Thompson down in the box and say, I want him playing nickel. Uh, I don't think that's something because you're, you don't want to turn a strength uh, that you have of two of elite safeties and potentially turn that into a weakness by saying, okay, well, we're just going to try and get by right now. Here's my question. It's a legitimate question. If Jalen Thompson is your best nickel corner, what do you do? Because I do believe that to be the case, talking to some of the defensive coaches. Antonio Hamilton did pretty well. They gave him a run at it. But Jalen Thompson, they think, could be a borderline elite nickel corner. They think he's that good inside which now after you traded Isaiah Simmons away, if you're talking about trades for a backup center, I really wonder what you do for another safety because when it's Buddha and Jalen Thompson in the slot, then want a Javante Moffitt and Andre Sachere certainly didn't win a job in those last couple of preseason games. What do you do now? To your point, Drew, as far as taking a strength to perhaps plug a gap if you're looking for that fifth db and playing jt as your slot corner and it it's a fa it's a fascinating question because maybe you shore up one area but you make yourself vulnerable on the back end and i don't think you shore that up i don't i think you go find a nickel corner of a guy that you're saying okay we're going to be young anywhere we're going to be inexperienced anywhere let's go find a couple guys that we think that we can put in there you know you think about a guy like kenny moore that got cut multiple times and now he's in uh, Indianapolis is one of the elite nickel corners, and, and you can make a long living. Because for me, I start thinking about you go into a game and you're going to say Jalen Thompson is going to go guard Cooper Cup inside. Ugh. You're going to go guard George Kittle or Dewa Samuel. I don't know if I like that. I like him on the back end coming down and making tackles. I like that. So that's where you start looking about how does everybody fit into the bigger picture of what collectively team defense is supposed to be. Is Jalen Thompson your best nickel on the team right now? Is he the best slot corner? Perhaps. 
go find somebody else and make him. You paid him to be an elite safety. Let him be that. As currently constructed, I agree with Drew. You know what? Jalen Thompson might be a better nickel corner than Antonio Hamilton, but when you take Jalen Thompson out of that deep post safety position, not good. Not good for the Cardinals' defense. You probably keep JT as a safety, and you go with Antonio Hamilton, your second-best nickel corner, if you were playing a game tomorrow. Overall, the secondary, how did that unit play against the Vikings? Here's head coach Jonathan Gannon. Thought a lot of those guys played good, you know, a couple bang bang plays that they converted. That's that that happens in ball, um, but I thought they played the coverages right the right way. Our structures were pretty good. I thought they competed and handled their business out there. In terms of the defensive line, we touched on it. Rashard Lawrence, according to reports, released, and now this is the answer is one, as in one player from that 2020 draft class remaining on the team, and that is Lecky Fotu. Yep. But this is not really a surprise, Paul, because we have seen Lawrence, whether it was play into the second half, deep into the fourth quarter of preseason games. Heck, he was third string on the depth chart that the team released, which was eye-opening. But you see what you have at defensive line. Jonathan Ledbetter, LJ Collier. Lucky foe two. Those are your top three right now. And now you're trying to figure out, all right, we need three more. We need four more. How many are we keeping along that D-line? Yeah, after the ones you name, those three starters, which we presume to be the case right now, at least based on the existing depth chart, uh, Carlos Watkins in his seventh year experience with Dallas. He's a reliable backup. After that, man, you, you are scouring the waiver wire. There's no doubt. This whole D-line room is land of opportunity, especially now Rashard Lawrence. And I think a message was sent. That first step chart came out early in camp, and he was running third team, and that was an indicator to him. You need to pick it up. And didn't call his name a whole bunch in the subsequent preseason games. Didn't see a whole bunch that to speak of against the Vikings in the joint practice. So they've moved on. When in doubt, they've gone with new blood and gone away from some of those Steve Kime draft classes, as we have seen. So Dante Stills. I think it's going to make this team around six rookie, at least based on its how it's currently constructed. And then when you look at how you're getting to the quarterback, Dennis Gardeck, what's his availability exactly? Now, from what I understand, they're pretty optimistic he's going to be there for week one. It's not a certainty. And then after that, I thought Cam Thomas played as well as anyone, at least when the lights were on. Zayvon Collins, obviously. And then after that, B.J. Ogilari, you got your first look at him, but he was a liability against the runs a couple times. He got sucked in and lost contain. So that'll be curious to see as well. And then my Jay Sanders, how available is he? Because he hasn't been on the practice field a lot. That hand injury, sometimes he dresses, sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he's participating, sometimes he doesn't. But I'll say this, defensively, Drew, pay attention to the Philadelphia Eagles and what they do or do not do with their roster as far as how many defensive players become available because your head coach and defensive coordinator come from Philly. Yeah, wasn't one of their pass rushers a little discontent as well as far as his role, right? Darren Barnett wasn't – I saw some tweet saying, I don't, I'm not a rotational player, and I was like, well, he wouldn't be a rotational <laughs> player here. So, Well, if Philly's so deep that it's to their own detriment, um, Cardinals will take yeah, a few yeah. players off so, their hands. Again, it's the familiarity. Sometimes it's who you know, and the – Again, when you look at this roster, it's going to just continue to churn because that's what they want to do. And as Paul said, they're going to go young. They're going to have some inexperience, and they're willing to 
grow with these players. They're willing to, okay, BJ Ojolari didn't play well against the run a couple of times. They're going to realize that's going to be the case, but they want to eventually see the growth that's going to come with that, and there's going to be growing pains that come with it. So, again, that's not just Philadelphia that they're going to be looking at. They're looking at everybody, and I know the, the narrative right now is, is what it is, uh, that this team is not trying to be competitive. I can promise you after talking with Jonathan Gannon and talking with Monty Asenfort, they want to be competitive. They just realize that it's going to take a massive shift from where this is, organization has been because this is their belief, and this is how they want to go about it, and that is their prerogative to do so. And, and again, they speak the same language. It is a united front of how they want to go about doing that. And sometimes there is going to be a transition in all of it. I had a conversation with a couple of defensive assistants from day one to day two of joint practices. They were asking B.J. Ojolari to do some different things, things he never done before at LSU. By day two, they were amazed at how quickly he had mastered a brand new technique. So to Drew's point, if they're going to go young, the real gauge of success is what do they look like in November and December? What are these rookies who might start at point A in September, what do they look like come the holidays? And then all of a sudden, you know what? That's where the season is deemed a success because that's your foundation. More on the Cardinals defense with defensive coordinator Nick Rollis. That is a part of episode 61 of the Day Pash podcast. Available now via your preferred podcast provider. Get the latest updates via Twitter at HashPod. This is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Shotgun Dobbs, third and six, steps up, throws a deep ball, downfield, caught! McMahon with the grab! A rainbow from Dobbs! Great job by Joshua Dobbs being able to deliver the football to the outside for McMath to be able to fall to the turf as he's catching the ball. Dobbs, deep drop, he'll throw to the near side. Catch made, Woods turns it upfield for the touchdown. Joshua Dobbs on time and delivers for the score. It is the first NFL touchdown for Joshua Dobbs. The voice of Ian Eagle, Westwood One. Josh Dotts, now an Arizona Cardinal, acquired from the Browns along with a seventh-round pick for a fifth-round selection. And is Josh Dobbs your starter week one? That is certainly what we all anticipate happening as we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Of course, we will not know, Paul, until whomever it is trots out on that football field for the first offensive snap of the season because as we heard from Jonathan Gannon on Monday, he will not name a starter. They'll know, but he's not going to name anything publicly. So going into camp, I half joked about, you know, nothing gets us through training camp in the month of August, like fanning the flames of a quarterback competition slash controversy. Turns out we didn't need to do any of that because it's been self-contained. It has been organic. It is real, very real at this point. Who is the starting quarterback at Washington, and even after they decide, you're on a need-to-know basis, Craig Grillo. So we'll find out on game day, apparently. The only team in the National Football League that has not named a starting quarterback for Week 1 would be your Arizona Cardinals. So we'll see what happens in Washington Week 1. When we talk about Dobbs, his familiarity with the offensive system, last season he began with the Browns, Drew Petzing, Israel Wolfwork, 
practice squad with the Lions. Hey, assistant general manager Dave Sears was there. Ended last season with the Titans. Oh, your general manager Monty Ossenfort was there. So this all helps. And I think, Drew, if you're looking for the reason why it is Dobbs to suit up week one, it's because he's coming in with so much familiarity with the staff, with maybe some players, as well as the system that he'll be running. Exactly. Uh, he has to be the choice, right? And and as far as learning the system, he's got a couple weeks to do it. He's also an aerospace and an engineer, so I would imagine that space is a little bit more difficult than football and uh, understanding that. So uh, that was well documented his time in college. Again, he's got a sample size, and there's a lot that people are looking to as far as connecting these dots, and you just connected all of them, right? He has so many people that he's seen in the front office that can come in. And, and again, I don't think people realize how difficult it is when he went to Tennessee and then all of a sudden got an opportunity to start. He was there for a very short period of time and went out and played good football and was able to do some really good things and that isn't a meaningful game when you do that and you don't really know until you put somebody's hand to the fire but he performed admirably he played well and now he's getting an opportunity and I would imagine that opportunity will come week one when he gets to go against the Washington Commanders signed on December 21st started eight days later for the Tennessee Titans his new head coach Jonathan Gannon on what Dobbs's familiarity means for the Cardinals I think it's very valuable. It's, you know, any position is hard to come in and play right away. And guys do it all across the league. That's what the NFL is, um, especially when you get banged up and things like that later in the year. But I think just his familiarity of the system, um, the verbiage, um, I think that obviously helps him a lot. All right, Craig, I'm going to step in. I got a question for Drew. Based on that comment right there, how much? How much does it help? Josh Dobbs going into week one. How much of a challenge is it? How much of a learning curve is there versus if he would have been here for the entirety of offseason? Because most people are making this out to be a Herculean task trying to navigate that learning curve in two weeks. I think it's more difficult to do it in eight days. To, you know, to Craig's point of what happens when you go to a new place with new verbiage and everything's brand new. You can go back and I would imagine that you know he's been in this league for a while that he has notebooks and he has his notebooks of all of the things that he did when he was there in Cleveland. He can go back, he can refresh that. Now whether or not the verbiage is the same because there's carryover based off of what it is, but him and Drew Petzing have already worked together, right? They were already in the same room together when he was the quarterback coach. So you have the ability to talk. Okay, this is how we used to do this. This is how we see this. Okay, this is this is the same thing, right? It's just a little twist here or a little bit different there, but you can relate stuff. There's already an extreme advantage that he has based off of what they're doing. And to Craig's point, he's been in a training camp. He wasn't on a street somewhere. He wasn't doing anything. He was running hopefully something similar to this offense, getting valuable reps as the second-team quarterback, being able to do it in the system very similar to this one, and now it's just getting an opportunity to get the keys and say, okay, now it's your team. Now you're in charge. What are you going to do? And again, he's going to be able to do that. He, he endured himself to a Tennessee fan base very quickly and within eight days was out there playing good enough football to go out there and win games. Now he's going to do it for the duration of the season until Kyler comes back and really has the opportunity to prolong his career because of Drew Petzing and what he knows. So I, I don't see this as a Herculean task in any sense. They made this move saying, okay, you're going to be our week one starter. Had Clayton Toon been good enough that felt like they could have put him out there, they don't make that trade. They said, okay, well, you know what? Colts are back up and we'll be good until we do this and we're going to start Clayton Toon. Obviously, they didn't feel comfortable doing that, even though they haven't named a starter yet. 
But your week one starter, in my opinion, will be Josh Dobbs, or hopefully it will be Josh Dobbs. Just have not heard that from the man himself. That would be head coach Jonathan Gannon. He was asked Monday about the plan that they have on naming a starting QB. I think we got a pretty good plan in place, but I want to see them you know, both go through the next two weeks. But um, I think that the plan that we have to evaluate that and to get that done and, and the team knowing the why behind it, I think they're comfortable with it, but feel good about where it's at. Some other familiarity for Josh Dobbs with this Cardinals team, our own producer Jim Mahunder brought up that running back James Conner. Same draft class as Dobbs with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then you think about where Dobbs was last season, Cleveland Browns. How much time, Paul, did he work with Yelda Froholt? I have yeah. I mean that's legit that's I have no idea yep. because Froholt at that point was so far down on the depth chart as far as the center position, but so was Dobbs to a certain extent so do they have some familiarity because that's going to be key center quarterback and let me say this in conclusion that there's a narrative out there that this move was done in part to fortify the Cardinals draft position next year i.e. tanking if you would have stuck with the quarterback that you saw running with the ones in those two joint practices that would have been more of an attempt to go out there and lose games this is an attempt to try and win this is an attempt to try and upgrade at the position with a player who will come in and hopefully present much more of a threat to that Washington commanders defense than you would have had with the quarterback you just cut that's based on what we saw in Minnesota in some extremely real 11 on 11 ones against ones regular season type joint practice sessions it was very evident Cardinals needed to make a move, and they did. Dobbs on the practice field this week with his new teammates, but will he be on the field week one against the Washington Commanders? We believe so. We think so. We anticipate that the case for the Arizona Cardinals just will not know officially until the game starts on that Sunday. That's going to put a wrap on this edition of the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Special thanks behind the scenes, Jim Almohundro, Cody Fincher, Lauren Koval, Drew Stanton, Paul Calvisi, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you in one week's time here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.